Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice in home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. They call him the Iceman, but today at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, he is red hot, and he is the winner of the 92nd Indianapolis 500-mile race. Scott Dixon from New Zealand drives target Chip Ganassi racing into victory lane. Hunter Ray looking for number one. Elio Castronavis looking for win number four. Ryan Hunter Ray, eight car lengths in front as they move in the back stretch for the final time. Did Elio make the move? Three laps too early. Does he have anything at all left in the tank? A couple of turns to go. Ryan Hunter Ray leads it in the turn number 800 is upon us. Less than a car length is the difference. The final turn, Hunter Ray to call the finish. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. And it is Ryan Hunter Ray that is going to lead Elio Castroneves across the line. Ryan Hunter Ray has his first Indianapolis 500 mile race win. Elio Castroneves will have to wait for another year to get his fourth victory at the Indy 500. White flag is in the hands of Paul Blevins. He waves it to Kuma Sato. Leads Elio Castroneves into turn number one. Two and a half miles to go and Takuma Sato looks really strong. He swings it out through the short shoot. Elio Castroneves about four or five court lengths. Jake, his last chance might be exiting turn two. Five years ago, Takuma Sato took his shot in turn number one. He did not make it. Dario Franchitti won that race. Takuma Sato now. Three car lengths in front of Elio Castroneves in a turn number three. Castroneves tries to make his move in the short shoot down on the white line. Sato has the lead out of four. Elio Castroneves pedaling for all it's worth. Quick checkers out. History will be made as Takuma Sato goes to victory lane. He wins the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Yeah, baby, we're getting closer. It's May in Indianapolis. Race weekend is upon us with an eye on the 107th Indianapolis 500. We love the GMR GP. Let's face it. Uh, The highlights are a little cooler for the Indianapolis 500, courtesy of IndyCar Radio, uh, three from fairly recent years. Thanks for joining us tonight. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison is in our Indianapolis studios. Eight o'clock tonight, more racing conversation. Looking back a little further, Jake Quarry and Mike Thompson will have Beyond the Bricks. We've got race cars on track tomorrow, and the forecast looks good. It's not open to the public unless you want to just go watch in the mound area uh, over by the museum, but it's the USF Pro Championships, the series formerly known as the Road to Indy, taking the stage tomorrow. Might even be an Indy Next practice by, by Firestone tomorrow, but no IndyCar until Friday, so tomorrow's a setup day, although the transporters are there. I just got back from the track just a w- little while ago, and then Friday everything gets started with the NTT IndyCar Series culminating with a 345 prompt green flag on Saturday afternoon for the GMR Grand Prix. Thanks for joining us. How are you this evening, Kurt? 
Oh, I just I, I can't wait. It's it was so nice today. It um, it really made it feel like May. I mean, other days, you know, this month have felt May ish. But today, I think, you know, being at the racetrack and around the racetrack as I am on a daily basis and just seeing the transporters in town, seeing the transporters parked and ready to go and so forth and all just the hustle and bustle around the gate, uh, people going into the museum. It just felt like felt like we're really on the verge of something. And uh, I don't know how many I'm starting to lose track of how many I've had of these, but. There's not there's every year feels like a new adventure. And I think that's what we'll see again this year. So I went out today because as the among my many titles, chief commercial officer, that's the latest I'll give myself, means I I'm in charge of stickers. That's all I can do with the race car. So I was swapping out some stickers. And then as I left. So I had heard this and I know I had mentioned this, that mound on the inside of oval turn four, which is near road course turn one is noticeably higher. I'm I am curious to see what people think of that vantage point. It is noticeably higher and I think is going to give you a good view of that. So I would, you know, we always recommend kind of get out and check out some different areas. So you might want to get there early and see what that provides you because it looks like it's twice the size as it was before. So I went down there um must have been the day the uh, Indy next cars were testing and drove down there and, and walked up on the mound. I bet it's, I bet it's at least 10 feet, maybe 15 feet taller than the other one was. And it honestly, I agree. if they told me it was higher than that, I would, I might even believe it. Yeah. What's yeah. interesting about that. And for those that haven't stood down there, what's, what is compelling about being there in addition to its great sight line you can see turn one of the road course and turn two and then into three and you got a video board there as well what's interesting is listening to the cars come roaring down the front straightaway and you can't see them yet you know you know they're coming but they're not there yet and the indie cars are even louder of course but it just you know and if you if you get one or two, it sounds cool. But if you got, you know, five or six or a field of 20, what, seven, 20, I think that's what we'll have for the GMR Grand Prix. You know, it's just the anticipation of the cars coming and you don't see them yet. And uh, when they burst into view and then they got to make that hard right hand turn and some of them will not make the <laughs> make the turn. And as I watched last year's race, uh, you know, it was just fun to kind of watch them slither through there. Well, I'm going to check that out and practice tomorrow because that might be a spot where I'm watching Jackson's race on Friday and Saturday because I bet you can see them going down Holman Boulevard as well, or I think you might. Maybe not all the way to turn seven, but I'm curious. I want to see what you can see. Um, so I'm not aware of any earth-shattering, breaking news from the news ferry that we need to start off with, and I have enjoyed just <laughs> – answering questions via Twitter. And you can still send those in at Kevin Lee 23 at Kirk Cavan tonight. We've got quite a few, but we'll get to, I, I'm going to go in reverse order. So you could maybe jump to the top of the line here in the next little while. And, and here's a new one. So, uh, you know, I've joked before that I don't know if I want to get into the direct message answering. I like just traditional Twitter, but okay. If I happen to see it, I see it. I don't always check those. Here's a new one. Kurt has me up on FaceTime. I have an old-fashioned letter that was mailed to my home. So we have ingenuity here. So that's going to move you to the top of the list. Uh, full disclosure, this is someone that has supported Jackson's program before. So that helps you get to the top of the list. And that would be why they have the home address. 
So this is from our friend George in Ohio, who writes, The constant conversations about the shortage of engines in the series that stunts growth and participation in the 500, particularly the near elimination of uh, bumping, are a bit maddening to some traditionalists. IndyCar certainly has strict engine specification. Does that prevent an entrepreneur from gaining the specs and building their own engine? Think Penske's purpose-built killer engine. Open the door, Roger! Exclamation point. Writes George. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta you gotta have some some guardrails up, and you have to have guardrails up not only for the teams, but also for the manufacturers. So the manufacturers, as part of their you know full participation, have said, "Look, I mean, there's a point at which if teams." Don't tell us soon enough. We can't. We can't do more engines. If they, if these teams would have told them and back in October, you know, they could have hired the right people. They could have built the right number of motors. Um, so I think it's a little unfair to to be harsh on the manufacturers because you know they they set the parameters kind of at the first of the year and what they think they're going to have, and they don't want to make extra ones. So. You know, if if teams, you know, at the end of this season say, hey, we're going to run an extra car or an extra team's going to be involved, you know, they, they should they got to step up sooner. And and from from letting teams build their own equipment, you almost, you know, from a cost standpoint, you got to protect these teams from themselves. <laughs> this sport is is not where it needs to be in terms of all the teams being able to do the kind of things that Roger Penske did in 1994 and go off and build his own engine. So, yeah, I don't I don't have the rule book for engine partners in front of me. Um, generally speaking, I don't think you can just build an engine for one car. You would have to make it available to multiple teams. That's and right. then in IndyCar, in IMSA, I'm going to guess in NASCAR as well, that there are requirements if you are an engine partner for a certain amount of marketing behind it. Because really, that's that's what that's one of the reasons why you want to have as many engine partners as you can because of the marketing muscle behind them. But if someone really did want to go out and build their own engine – they could work on doing that if they wanted to fund it. And then what you do is you go find a car maker and say, we're going to do the work for you. We just need you to come on board as to badge it. You know, Chevrolet does not make Chevrolet engines, right? Elmore does. Uh, and that has been often the case in, in years. And even when the beast was built, uh, they went through the process and that wasn't, a new badging. It that was badger Mercedes, right? That's correct. Which was already there. So they just created a different engine. Looked at the rule book, found, oh, we can do this. Technically, we can do this, and that lasted for a year until they said, "You cannot do this anymore." You know, and back to uh, not allowing other engines. You know, part of it also kind of understanding the manufacturer side of things. Ideally, they both want to do a third of the field not a half of the field. And in a perfect world, they would each be providing about eight to nine for a full season and 11 to 13 for the Indy 500. That was the goal. That's the hope by everyone involved. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And my understanding is for every engine that they supply, they lose money. 
So there becomes a point. You know, they, they get it. It's a marketing endeavor, and they know they're going to lose money on each engine, um, but they're getting things back from a marketing standpoint. But let's look at their standpoint. If they are supplying uh, 15 engines or 17 engines for the Indy 500 and bump that to 19, are they gaining anything out of losing more money? If they lose $122,000 on every extra engine, are they getting any return? And that's why you've heard some say, we're only doing this if it's a special circumstance. And I think Honda, because of uh, what attention a female driver might get, that's why they were willing to provide an engine for Catherine Legg, for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Um, it takes a special circumstance. So right or wrong, that's kind of what it is. Now, that said, would I love to see 36 or so again? Yes. And what I think is going to get us to that is if and when they can get to a third engine partner. That's Agreed. probably, unfortunately, what's going to take. And let, now, that said, like you said earlier, if 36 teams have their budget together and pay in advance in November, eh, I think they might figure that out. Yeah, I think so, too. But that's never ha- so that's too. not happened in a long time. Uh, all right. From Mike at Efforting Moose. Works out. He's first in line in the actual reverse timeline. Uh, but when you're Efforting Moose, you need to go to the top. Do the junior formulas have radios in the cars? If so, it would be possible to get frequencies. Yes and no. I have no idea what the frequencies are. And at the beginning of each season, with every team Jackson has been with, I've had to do a hunt and search to find what frequency he's on. And uh, eventually, you know, the team has it somewhere, but it's kind of, I don't know, it's whatever it was last year. Does anybody have that? So, no, I don't think those are published anywhere, and they haven't been for a while a few years ago when maybe it was racing electronics or track scan, you could get a programmed radio that had the entire junior formulas in there. So the old scanner that I have, you know, I would I just started going through last year old Cape Motorsports. So Jackson was on Spencer Pickett's frequency from 2016 or 2015 or whatever it was. So they really don't change over the years. But no, I don't believe there's anything published, but you could probably scan and, and find because they all do have – uh, two-way communication to talk back to their teams. Some teams have spotters. Some teams have coaches out on the track. Not as much conversation as you're going to see uh, here in IndyCar, though. So there's not a lot going on. Uh, Jeremiah Morrill, or is it Morrill or Morrell? I don't know. I should know. He, he sends us stuff often. But thank you, Jeremiah. With the rain veins and other visibility modifications to the cars for this season, do we expect a more competitive, likely rain race this weekend? If it rains. Um, it depends. You know, it's um, it certainly would – it should improve visibility, but you still have to control your car. And it, it just depends on how much, how much water we're talking about. And the effectiveness of the veins are probably going to be – and by the way, that's a – it's basically, a, you know, a, a, a way to direct the water away from the aero screen to improve visibility. It's new for this year. Delara did the testing on it. Alexander Rossi went through the process of examining it from the driver's viewpoint, not driving the car, but through, through uh, you know, watching video of it. But, you know, it's it just kind of depends on how much water we're talking about. Last year at the end of the race, you go back and watch that race on YouTube, on IndyCar's uh, YouTube channel, there was a lot of water. So, you know, there's only so much you can do and hope for. 
Uh, I'd kind of like to see it rain just from the standpoint of seeing how this thing works. But by the same token, the race is much better if it's dry. And so let's hope for the fan's sake and for the for the show that it's a dry race. There's a happy medium. A little bit of wet weather does liven things up a little bit. You know, the great thing about IndyCar is you don't have to have rain. You know, sometimes there are some races, oh, it's going to get interesting, especially Formula One. Uh, makes things really interesting. Generally speaking, IndyCar races are entertaining to begin with, but it does take it to a different level and it makes it unique. So it's fun. Not always fun for the drivers. And at the end of the race last year, and it was to the point, you know, in the last few laps, if say that had been lap 16 in the last six laps last year, I think they would have red flagged it. But because they were so close to the end, I'm thinking, yeah, let's just go ahead and get to the finish. And it was tiptoeing. And I think last year somebody hit somebody from behind on the straightaway just because after the checker, just because they couldn't see at all. Um, people were looking at, you know, their spotter was helping them on the straightaway. So it was a little bit much. Is it going to be great? No, but I think it will be better. Uh, and if it's the same amount of rain, I think they've got a little better chance of being able to get it done. And that, that could in, in, improve the rain racing just a little bit. If uh, certainly helps them to be able to see, to be able to race. Uh, last I saw, it's looking like rain on Friday and not so much on Saturday. So we may, and, and boy, it's been two or three hours since I've looked, but I think there's still a good chance of rain on Friday and much less so on Saturday. So we might have a wet quali. That could really shake things up. Uh, you might get a surprise fast six, and then, yes, you can pass at this track, but that might really shake up things for the race if somebody not expected and in the dry can get their stuff together to have a quick car and do the right strategy, you might have a surprise podium or surprise winner coming up this weekend. Uh, from, let's see. Thank you for the nice note, Chad Frankenfield. Uh, okay, I have a lot of horse racing tweets. So today, one of the things I was busy, I'm a freelancer. So I did a different type of racing today, Kurt. I was shooting some pieces for WRTV Channel 6, the uh, local affiliate here, for um, the horse track in Shelbyville, the Horseshoe uh, Indianapolis Racing and Casino. So we learned racing of different style with horses. So, so somebody must have sent out a tweet of us out there doing that today. So I have to go back through those a little bit. Here we go. Richard, go ahead. No, I was just I'm reminded of one of the great questions that I get probably about every other year. Why did the Kentucky Derby start before the Indianapolis 500 in the history, you know, in history? Why are they at 149 races and in the Indy 500 is only at 107? I get that question a lot. And who's asking you that is, question? I, what's, because there were no cars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My friends are smarter. They don't ask that question. I didn't say they were my friends. I said people will stop me and ask me that question. Yeah, there were no it cars does. 150 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> Richard at Big Cats Truth. I have no idea what the handle means. I would like to know what it was like after the 2004 race when the tornadoes were spotted in Indy. Was it scary? No, I'm too dumb to be scared, and I was too frantically trying to get to my next assignment because you can never have enough jobs. So that would have been my first race in pit lane. 
on the radio network and I was still working on the Pacers radio network and there was whatever game five of the Eastern conference finals that late afternoon. Now I'm, I was the host, the sideline reporter, whatever. So we worked out a deal uh, where I was going to miss the pregame show and Mark Boyle probably did the pregame show for me. And I was just supposed to get there as soon as I could, uh, especially by halftime. So I did one interview at the checkered flag. I remember I interviewed David Letterman after Buddy Rice won the race and then they released me. I was out, wasn't going to do victory lane or anything else. Hustled to my car, parked across the street at IMSP, probably ran over there, maybe got a golf cart ride and trying to hustle out. And, and you're still just sitting in traffic, sat there for an hour or whatever, where tornadoes are around and lightning and thunder. And it's just, yeah, this probably isn't good. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't hit me because that probably wasn't the smartest place to be. And I'm not sure what you do when you have 300,000 people and a tornado comes because there's not really anywhere to hide. So the interesting thing for me being in that glass uh, press media center, as I was after the race, it wasn't really when they stopped the race or when the race ended. It was about 30 minutes later and I have never seen the sky green. It was green outside, Ooh. and that that was uh, a unique perspective. And then when I left the media center, which would have been uh, – by the way, I got back in time to watch the second half. Uh, so you were able to uh, – you were probably able to make the start of that game. Uh, and uh, I think I missed the start. I think I got there somewhere in the first quarter or something. <laughs> when I came out of the media center – it literally was up to my knees, the standing water in that parking oh, lot wow. outside the media center, because I took off my shoes and socks, rolled up my pants. I was headed to Channel 13 to do television, and they called and said, look, we're going to be talking weather the whole time. Don't even bother. Uh, so I, I, I headed home. Okay. So there you go. Luckily, I'm not aware of any major issues, just a scare, and I believe we all got out of there unscathed in in 2004 from paul you have previously mentioned indycar is currently dominated by four big teams which of the remainder has the chance of joining and creating a big five well i feel pretty good about having a big four because you know it was always called the big three and it was really this winter when you know this i, I don't know where else it started but you know between Hinge, townsend and myself as we kind of chatted in some of our conference calls and let's say hey everybody let's be honest there's not a big three, or there has not been a big three. Andretti has not had the performance to include them in the same category as Penske and Ganassi. And if anything, McLaren has already moved past them. So if you want to call it three, it's Aero McLaren right now, but they're still not quite at the level because they've, they've not won a championship yet. And so, you know, maybe we need to see a championship, but I do think that Andretti and Aero McLaren, because it's now three years in for them, I think they're in that category where you probably can say there is a big four. So I like this question. Who's the next best? Who has the next best chance to move into that tier? So, and I have to think about the other teams. Uh, I suspected with the momentum that they were building toward the start of last year that you might have said Ray Hall Letterman. Uh, they had, you know, plans for a new building. They were going to three cars 
they had momentum. They were hiring new people for this year. They're, you know, still the group that they have of Alan McDonald and Eddie Jones, really outstanding Indy 500 engineers. They've got an outstanding lineup. Go walk through the halls of that place and, and you'll see faces and you think, that guy's been a success. That guy's been a success. You got to go through the list. They just haven't put it together. But I think they are positioned uh, to to take an, a, another step and start winning races. They just haven't yet. Um, but I think I think it'll come. I don't know if they can get to Big Four status, but that would be one. Uh, I kind of thought Meyer Shank was starting to build something to you know to really make a difference, but they've they've uh, not been able to show it yet either. So we'll see. So the brutal, honest truth is none of these other teams is close to that status right now, right? That's right. Yeah. So I also think you're correct that Rahal Letterman Landigan probably has the best chance. And we did bring them up, if not before last season, the season before. as And part of that was, you know, they wanted to be considered in that category. And they would admit they have not done that. Uh, so far to this point, but that would be a team that we would say, okay, they got potential. Um, Christian Lungard, you know, won't surprise me if he's on the podium this weekend, he has been generally speaking the strongest, you know, Graham always moves forward. It's been rough going for Jack Harvey, either it just doesn't fit the car for him or, well, you know, that was a thought last year, but really he's doing the same as Graham. And sometimes Christian, he is not underperforming compared to his teammates most of the time at this point. That's just kind of where they are. Ed Carpenter Racing shows flashes at times, and certainly they will at any, but they haven't much of the other time. Same thing with Coin; They show flashes. Hunkos is still a very young team at this point. Uh, this point. Foyt has a long way to go. Um, yeah, Meyer Shank, we thought they'd be in that category, but they're not at this point. Uh, we'll see if they can get there, but no one's there yet. But if I said who's most likely to win a race in that group this year, I'd probably say Ray Hall, just namely from Christian Lungard's standpoint. Uh, one more here in this segment. Mike Stoops, regarding the jealousy towards F1, let's see how long the love from the U.S. TV audience lasts. According to Sports Media Watch, Sunday's Miami GP averaged a one rating, down 30% from last year's inaugural race. Drive to survive bump may be deteriorating, question mark. Mm, I don't know if it's deteriorating. Uh, you know, that's not the that, that Miami's not the most interesting race. Uh, I think the Vegas, well, Vegas will probably be a struggle TV wise because of the late start on the East Coast. Uh, but um, yeah, maybe a little dip, but I think momentum is continuing. I, I think it's possible there's a little bit of dip. It's a bit of a fad, but it's still generally speaking, going really, really well. I, I do expect we're probably at the height of it right now. I also think Drive to Survive, you know, they're kind of running out of storylines. Um, I watched the first four or five episodes, and to be honest, I haven't finished the season yet. So that kind of tells me that I didn't find it super compelling and felt like I had to get in there and watch that, and I felt last season was a bit meh. Um, so it's like all television shows, it's somewhat run its course and it was the perfect storm during the pandemic. And then they got back on the track. So that worked for them, but it is still going really good and it's still going to be the thing for a while. And I think they, you know, NASCAR had its time for a little while and then it was no longer the shiny new object. And that might be the, 
uh, situation for Formula One. But I think they probably got a few years to ride out this at this point. Sometimes I think, you know, while it's great to be on network TV for them and run in the afternoon at 3.30, uh, and, and they w- did have a higher rating than they have in the morning, but I don't think it was as – my guess would be it's not as a high a percentage of the audience watching at the time. It might be a higher total number of people, but I think one of their attributes is when they run in the morning – there's no other live sporting event. So I think you find people that just want, they're tired of watching the talk shows and they've seen Sports Center. So let's see something live. And that's what Formula One has in the morning. When you go in the afternoon, you're competing with NASCAR in this case and other sporting events like the NBA playoffs. And, you know, I saw the USFL got 2 million on NBC over, over the weekend. Baseball and NBC on is that Sunday morning got million and a half, something like that. So, you know, network television does still draw an audience. All right. Uh, more of your questions coming up and we'll get into the news of the day and more trackside 93.5 The fan. This life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. May in Indianapolis means racing, including big-time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway, and their all-new clay surface. May 19th, it's the second annual C.J. Rayburn Tribute, Ten grand to win super late models and Boss 410 Sprints. May 24th and 25th, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Discounts for military, first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at CircleCityRaceway.com. Kurt, I finally opened up Twitter, and I have a news of the day, unless you have something already you found. It's well, not let's, big news let's, of the day, but I see something. <laughs> Let's do uh, two of them then. Uh, okay. I would start with everyone is always saying to us, how about more big-time promotion for the IndyCar series? Why can't we get on big-time shows? Elio Castroneves today on the Today Show with the Borg Warner Trophy. They honored him on his birthday by giving him the drink of Brazil and some of those uh, little – I don't know what they're called. It has a name, but little fudge balls as a little uh, toast to his birthday. So Elio on the Today Show, big news. That was great to see this morning. It's not really news of the day, but it is his birthday. So we're going to honor Elio. Okay. I don't know if this qualifies as big news either, uh, but I just refreshed to the top of Twitter and I see HMD Motorsports did the, you know, eyeball emoji for a Toby Sowery tweet that says, Big news dropping tomorrow, so uh, I think that's telling us. Kind of like I said when Reese Gold dropped away from Hunkos Hollinger, I said, "Yeah, I bet he's going to end up at HMD." There are still seats available. 
And I believe Toby Salary tested for them at Mid-Ohio uh, a, a few days ago. So my guess is we're going to see uh, Toby Salary coming up in, in a car uh, this week. And I'm trying to took a screenshot unfortunately there was a tba for the number three hmd car i saw this come down yesterday and that would be josh green and i'm hoping that's not the case because I, I really like josh he was the team usa scholarship winner the year before jackson jackson's first pro race was actually uh, nf 1600 and i say pro race because well i think he won like 200 bucks for finishing second in the race. And Josh was on the podium with him. So I've always followed him and I think he's really good, but I see he is not listed in the number three car. Uh, Toby Sowery had been in, he had stepped in at Barber and was hoping to do more. Uh, so hopefully we see him and he may get one of those empty seats and uh, hoping to see, or maybe he's in Hunko's Hollinger's seat. That, that could be it. It may not be an HMD. That I may be getting this all mixed up. Um, that's what happens when I get home two minutes before the show starts. He might have texted for Hunkos. Our buddy Steve Wittick will probably text me in, in just a moment as to where he was. But Toby Sowery was in a car, and hopefully we see him in Indy next coming up this weekend. Again, the race isn't until Saturday morning, so I don't need to know who's in what car until then. I'll know. I promise by then. And you can watch on Peacock. All right, back to the Twitter machine at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan for uh, different options. And I want to go back and see what we've got at the top of the show again. Uh, I thought a couple of new ones came in. All right, so i got to recycle past what I've done. Kurt San Angelo says, the only element that I would immediately change about IndyCar podium celebrations is to use larger champagne bottles. Size matters. I would also use a bubbly from California or Argentina. Great opportunity for an in-kind Vintner sponsorship. Um, okay, I, I like that idea. All for bigger is better in some cases. Michael Staley sent us a, a, a link to a WTHR story. I did see this on television. Uh, and I, I know IMS officials, I think Doug Bowles has talked about this, warning people that there are some fake parking passes out there being sold and distributed. So just beware of that. That I don't know how you check, but just be careful. You know, make make sure if you're getting a parking pass from someone, it might be uh, too good to be too true. Because I know parking passes are very difficult. Um, I can't get in the track, and I know a lot of people can't get in the track. So if if somebody has offered you a parking pass inside the track, you better know what their hookup is because it has to be strong. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and the ticket. Uh, or the parking passes are sold out. So now if somebody comes along, you absolutely should be questioning it because they've been sold out here for a few days. Fleetwood Marky Moose uh, tagging under our conversation yesterday. I mentioned it early. Uh, couldn't remember the site and someone sent it to me. It's Dr. Indy 500 that has really good audio. Toga, a talk of Gasoline Alley, the Centennial Celebration that I helped produce in 2011, maybe even started that earlier in 29. We might have done that at the beginning of the Centennial Celebration, but that was really cool. So check out Dr. Indy 500, his Twitter, and that'll link to his website. And that, that's what the, the things I need to think of. You know, when I did a show in 2016 with Donald, that that's going to be archived in perpetuity. Makes you want to bring your A game every night and maybe be a little bit more organized. Greg Green asks... 
When is the Freedom 100 going to return to Carb Day? With as many great races and finishes, why has this not returned? Kurt, tell us. Well, we all loved watching the Freedom 100. There's no question about that. And obviously, it was important for the for the teams as they sold sponsorship. Roger Penske, and it's not just the Freedom 100. He is all about race weekend being about building up toward the Indy 500 on Sunday, you know, green flag shortly afternoon. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, not only is the Freedom 100, you know, in his mind – a potential distraction to the big race, meaning if something happens in that race, uh, if, you know, if, if we have, you know, just carnage that, that is distracting for the Indy 500. He's also moved the Saturday Legends Day concert out of the infield so that as soon as the carb, carb night, you know, event is over, uh, they can start prepping the facility for the Indy 500. Actually, after the driver's meeting on Saturday morning, once that is cleared, they can prepare the facility. Again, it's it was another event that, it, that in, a, in a sense, was a distraction toward getting the place in order for welcoming the Indy 500 on Sunday. So, he just, he just believes all focus should be on that, and he doesn't think that... Uh, you know, having another race that that potentially could be, you know, have a situation that would be distracting for race week for for the big race on Sunday is is worth having. I would encourage a Google search, and I believe Nathan Brown might have done of the Indianapolis Star might have done the most exhaustive story with quotes from Roger, I believe. And maybe for Mark Miles and others, but digging into that maybe a year or two ago. So you can probably find that online. And I don't know if this was said or if this is just my theory um, about, you know, you, you want to call it distraction. We want to call it danger. You know, you've got young drivers uh, and in some cases had very little experience and the reality was there were a couple of times where someone had been able to write the check and teams are trying to get their car in the field and funded and make payroll. And sometimes you maybe err a little bit where the ability and experience isn't there because you need to get your people paid. And there were a, a couple of people that were not sure that had the qualification. So one way would be, so, well, let's just rethink that. And, and you could, but... It's still sometimes hard to verify and quantify. So I always wondered if that was a little bit of it, that we're worried about somebody buying their way into this race that is not qualified at all. And yes, maybe they can do the speed and by themselves fine, but those cars are so stuck to the ground. And when you're racing two and three wide for many, many laps in a row, oh boy, what what might go wrong there? Maybe that's, I don't know that that's, a definite, but that's just a theory. Here's something else to think about. While we all miss the Freedom 100, I wonder if that going away might – so I think in some ways it hurts uh, Indy Next, previously Indy Lights teams and programs because they can't sell the most marketable event that they had, you know, running in front of almost 100,000 people, uh, live television live peacock, whatever the case may be. But on that day, that hurts from a marketing and sponsorship standpoint. But the car counts have gone up. 
And I wonder if it is evened out or more, and that's, you can say this is good or bad, but there is more interest from the Formula One world or from European ladders, because some of these families paying for it may not be super keen on their driver who's never done an oval before coming over first time to America and the third or fourth race of the year in the first oval is two and a half miles long going almost 200 miles per hour down the straightaway. Uh, So I wonder if that's not a coincidence, why we've seen the car counts go up from full time of seven to now almost 20. Yeah, that's a, it's a good thought. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that it might it might help some programs. I know some pro- Europeans are more comfortable. I, I just know that. That I know that some have said, "Yeah, we're gonna will, we're willing to invest and send our driver there because we weren't comfortable with our driver doing that Freedom One Hundred." Now you can say, "Well, wait a minute. This is about to get to the Indy Five Hundred. Uh, there may be a thought that we'd like to do a couple of short ovals and ease into it, and not have full downforce where it's just flat and hope and a pack race and you know, right or wrong." But but I, I do think that has had a bit of an impact on things. Uh, I wanted to get to this last night and missed it. This was from Jim Doyle at Torp Drums. How about retelling the story how Jacques Villeneuve won the Indy 500 and completed 202 laps? You would have covered that, Kerr. I would have covered that, but you'll remember it better than I did. <laughs> I actually I saw the question and I thought, I want to go back and remember how it was he fell behind, penalized, but uh, but I can't remember all the details behind it. And he kind of just kept working his way back up through the field and caught some cautions. And then Was uh, he penalized for passing the uh, No, passing that the was Scott car? Goodyear. No, no, Goodyear. I mean like out of a caution or something early in there. It was either a pit speed penalty or a blend violation, and he served a drive through. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember that. I don't remember the exact penalty, but uh, okay, we'll do better next time. I saw the question I, I and was gonna gonna confirm, and now I I haven't done it. Uh, send that letter to Kurt's home address and he will answer that. So we're going to start sending letters to Kurt's home address. Chris Bassler, do you know if Mr. Penske plans on having the howitzer cannons for pre-race again this year? Just need to know if I should pack an extra pair of pants to change into after the anthem. Plus, it was kind of unsettling after I realized the one in turn four was aimed at me. I missed that. I don't remember. <laughs> so there was a big cannon right after the anthem. There's the cannon that goes off when the doors open. Is that at six? Yeah, it's at six. And by the way, okay. I just did a double check. It, he did. Uh, it, he did pass uh, inadvertently pass the pace car during a caution See? period early yeah. in the race. Okay, and I didn't even go back and YouTube that one. That one uh, I've reviewed a lot of them in the last few weeks, trying to vote for my top ten Indy five hundreds. But I didn't look back at. 95. I like Scott Goodyear. It's too painful to watch that one again. I saw it live in turn four. I was spotting for Bob Lamy in turn four, meaning I'm like his helper to point to things. And we both watched it. And uh Oh, that's not good. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see what we missed coming up in just a moment. And any other tweets and get you set for Beyond the Bricks. All coming up. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hi. This- Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Tony Kanan, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment. It's a quickie. Ran a little bit long. I know everyone is shocked. I'm just getting prepared for 60 hours of Peacock coverage starting on Friday. And James Hinchcliffe and I are going to have a battle to see how much of that 60 we're on over under is 59 and a half. Hinch and I will be manning the booth for Indy 500 practices Tuesday through Thursday next week. And then the whole crew will be here starting on Friday. But first, it's GMR Indy Grand Prix weekend starting Friday. It's a Friday-Saturday event. Uh, racing on track tomorrow. Practice sessions for USF Pro Championships, including the number 47 IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, Browning Chapman Prime 47 race for RP car. Can we fit more stickers on? Yes, we can. And we did more today. So Jackson will be out there tomorrow. So we'll have a full report. Uh, hopefully things go well tomorrow night on the program, which is at 7 o'clock. Uh, Beyond the Bricks is coming up in just a moment. By the way, feel free to keep sending in tweets at Kevin Lee 23 We'll catch up and do more of those tomorrow night on the show. Tonight's program, they're going to look back to some of the mutual radio broadcasts predating the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, which I think started in 1952. So we're talking late 40s, early 50s stuff with Mike Thompson and Jake Query coming up next. For Eddie Garrison and Kurt Cavan, Kevin Lee, 93.5107.5 The Fan.